right, the title of today's message is Power Position. Power Position. Let's go to our key text, Psalm chapter 23, verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to jump in and add verse 6 for good measure. Again, we are in Psalm chapter 23, verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to add verse 6. Uh, you can follow along on the screen. The Lord is my shepherd. Amen? Amen. Can we get excited about that? The Lord is. No question, no doubt about it. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Verse 6. And surely, God, your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Uh, now, I know that this is uh, a very popular passage. I, I would think that even non-Christians, if you quote this, they're like, oh, yeah, I've heard that. The Lord is my shepherd. It's very popular. You've probably heard it a million times. But perhaps today I can point out something that uh, you don't typically notice. Uh, it's something that I noticed and uh, that, that I was like, oh, that's, that's uh, an interesting thing that I didn't really notice until now, and that's this thing about position. When I read this passage, I notice something about the importance of position. Somebody say position. Position. In life, position is very, very important. So, for example, when it, when it comes to war, uh, it is known that the strategy, what is very important is your position in battle. Your position in battle can be the difference between winning the war or losing the war. And so if you are positioned in a high place, we call it high ground, then you are more likely to win. If your position is in a low ground, you are more likely to lose. And so again, position is very important to victory in war. Same goes with business. In business, there's a saying, location, location, Location. There you guessed it, right? Location, location, location. Uh, it is a principle in business, especially if you own a store, that if you want success, one of the most important factors, the thing that will determine the success of your business is location, your position. Where are you positioning your store? Because you can have a good product, a uh, good thing. Like, have you ever done this? Like, have you ever gone to a place and you're like, wow, this place is so good. The food is so good. The products are so good. Why is this business not doing well? Why do you more, not more people come. And a lot of times it might have to do with position, right? You can have a great product, great service, but if people can't find you or if your location, your position is inconvenient, people will not go to you. And so again, location, position is very important in business. It will determine whether you succeed or whether you do not succeed. And so spiritually, when we speak of position, we are actually speaking of identity because position is identity when it comes to your identity spiritually. And just like in war and business, our position, our identity is so important in determining whether you're going to be victorious or not, depending on your position. Will you succeed or not? Depends on your position. Will you prosper? Will you grow? Will you breakthrough, and it depends on your position. And so 
this, this life that we live, we know it's, it's a fight. It's a battle, right? We've got to struggle through many things. And again, like war, the question is, from what position are you fighting from? From what position are you living from? And the position that we should be living from, the identity that we should be living from, if you want to experience that victory, if you want to walk in prosperity, is the position that we have in Christ. Our position in Christ is our identity. And ladies and gentlemen, I got good news for you. That position is powerful. It is powerful and it gives us power. So, generally speaking, and if we were able to simplify it in the world, and not just the world, but in religious teaching and religious thinking, and when I say religious thinking, I'm not just talking about other religions, I'm talking about even in the church amongst Christians, there can be religious thinking and teaching, and so whether you're talking about the world, or you're talking about religious thinking and teaching, to them, predominantly, the thing that determines your identity is the things on the outside, we, in the world and in, in, in religion, it's the outer things that determine identity. But the gospel says something different. The gospel says it's not determined by what's on the outside. It is determined by what's on the inside. 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature. Ladies, those of you who are looking for a tall husband, this could be a word for you. He may be short. No, I'm just kidding. Do not look. Some, some girls just said, this church is not for me, and they just turned it off right now. God bless them. <laughs> I'm just joking. But the Lord said, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Again, when we talk about identity, we're talking about our worth, our sense of purpose, our sense of being. So many people have spoken to over the years, feel lost in life. Who am I? What is my purpose in life? And the answer to, to, to knowing these things, if you want to know these things, is that you have to start on the inside, not on the outside. You have to define your identity by what's on the inside, not by what's on the outside. Because in the end, ultimately, it's what's on the inside that really matters. Because you can have everything on the outside, but if you don't have what matters on the inside, what's on the outside will not matter in the end. That's what the Bible says. Look at it. Mark 8, 36. It says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? What good is it? It means you can gain the whole world. You can have everything on the exterior. And I'm not just talking about secular and worldly stuff. I'm even talking about the spiritual christian stuff. You can pray a lot. You can be a good Christian. You can tithe a lot. You can have a good reputation. But what good is it to have everything on the outside if you don't have what matters on the inside? And that's why we've got Christians who do everything right on the outside, but they don't have joy. They do everything. They try to live as a good person, but they don't have power. Why is that? It reminds me of a praise song we used to sing, and the lyrics go something like this. Earthly things have left me dry. Or I'll say it this way. Outward things have left me dry. So the important question now is what determines? How do we determine? How do we discover? How do we know what our identity is? What determines our identity the most? Is it good works? The answer is no. Is it the size of our faith? And the answer again is no. 
Is it how much we pray, how much we fast, how much Bible we, we read? Is it how much we repent? Is it how much we change and how fast we change? And I would say, again, I believe the, the, the answer from the gospel is no. The gospel gives us the answer, and that answer is Jesus. Amen. The answer is the cross, and the cross alone Amen. should determine our identity, our position. Again, the world and religion, it says that we are defined by what we do. But the gospel says that we are defined by what Jesus has done. Amen. What Jesus has done, what he is doing, what he continues to do, what he will do in our life through his grace, through his love. I am defined by Jesus. Not by how much money I have. Not by what my grades are. Not by what people think of me. Not by what people say of me. Not because, you know, even in Korea, I, I, I heard and realized that one, one of uh, the things that happens in our society is that a mother is judged by their children. If the children do well, you're a good mother. If the children do not do well, then you're a bad mother. And again, this is the world system. This is even the religious system to be defined by what's on the outside. But we are free from those things. When we choose our identity in Christ. Amen. And the thing that really, really determines our identity in Christ the most, again, is not good works. It is righteousness. It is righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is this. Who are you before God? When you are standing in front of God, not in front of people, not in front of a stage, not how many followers you have on Instagram. When you are in front of God, who are you to God? What is your standing? Are you in right standing with God? That is righteousness. Psalm chapter 5, verse 12. I'm going to read it in the Amplified Version. It says, For you, O Lord, bless the righteous man, the one who is in right standing with you. What does it mean to be a righteous man? What does it mean to be a righteous woman? The one who is in right standing with the judges of the world? No. With your parents? No. With the people around you? No. The one who is in right standing with God. You surround him with favor as with a shield. This is very important, brothers and sisters. I want to make a very clear distinction. Righteousness who we are before God is determined by uh, right standing with God. Meaning, it does not matter what your standing is with people. It doesn't matter if everybody around you thinks you're a great person, you're a good person. It doesn't matter if history writes wonderful things about you, like as if you were Mahatma Gandhi or Mother Teresa. You cannot go before God and say, hey, the world says I'm a good person, so you should think I'm a good person too. You should count me as righteous. And God will say, no, the Bible says that the, 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 the righteous works of man is still like filthy clothes and filthy rags before God. None of our righteous works are worthy of making us righteous in front of God. The one who is in right standing before God is the righteous one, not the one that people think is good, not the one who everybody says, oh, that chipsanim, she is so holy and she's so good. Oh, that guy, oh, that elder, he gives so much money. No, 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 no. These are not the things that makes us righteous. These are not the things that should de depend or determine our identity. It's not about being a good person in the eyes of the world. It's about righteousness before God. How does God see you? Does he see you as righteous? And before you start thinking about 
how much you pray or how good of a person you are, I want to tell you, here is the good news. If you believe in Jesus, if you put your faith in Christ, you are righteous. Amen? You are righteous right now, not tomorrow, not when you get your life all fixed up, not when you start doing all the right things, not when you stop, you know, doing and, and dating and, you know, uh, you know and, and lying and cheating and gossiping. No, no, no. You are righteous right now through faith in Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the gospel. At the core of the gospel is righteousness by faith. I am accepted by God through faith. I am a child of God through faith. I am righteous by faith. Amen. You don't believe me? Let me prove it to you. Here are some scriptures for you to chew on. Galatians chapter 3 verse 11. It says this, now it is evidence that no one, who's no one? No one, absolutely no one is justified before God by the law for the righteous shall live by faith. Amen. So when it says shall live by faith, we often think, oh, you know, believing that God will provide, God will take care of. True, true, true. That's actually not the context of what it's being said right here. To live by faith means I live knowing that I am righteous, not because of my good works, but because of Jesus. Amen. Faith in Jesus, Amen. by that I am justified. By that I am righteous. Galatians chapter 2, verse 21 it says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if, if, that's a big if, if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Isn't that shocking? Saying, if anybody, not just somebody, everybody, if anybody could be righteous through their good works, if, they, if anybody could just be good enough and then be counted as righteous, then Jesus died for nothing. So the implication is huge. Nobody, nobody can be righteous without Jesus. Otherwise, he wouldn't have to come and die on the cross for our sins. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 24 is so good. It's so good. This is the stuff, ladies and gentlemen. This is the stuff that joy comes from. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. So even the law, they're all testifying to something outside of it. There's like, we can't save you. We can't make you righteous. We can't bless you. We can't make you right with God. No, we're just trying to show you, you need a Savior. Verse 22, this righteousness is given through what? Through works? No, through faith. Through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely. What a wonderful word right there. Justified freely by His grace through the redemption, through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Amen. I love the Lord. So are you getting it? Are you getting it? You are righteous by faith today, not by works. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, he was perfectly sinless. He made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. That's huge, guys. It's not the righteousness of a good man or a good woman or Mother Teresa, or Martin Luther King, or some good person, some hero. No, it's the righteousness of God. 
That's our report card. It's the report card of Jesus. Mr. 4.0 and 4.0 and 4.0. It's like that's our grade today. Amen. We have become the righteousness of God by faith. Come on, somebody say it. I'm righteous. I'm righteous. I'm righteous because of Jesus. I'm righteous because of faith in Christ, because of what he has done and nothing else. I don't need anything else to be counted as righteous. Amen? Amen. 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 Now, this has profound and wonderful implications to our lives. The blessing now of our position of righteousness in Christ is this. Now, because of faith in Jesus, we get to live in a position of blessing as if we are already living perfectly righteous, even though we're not. See, the Bible uses this concept of righteousness in two ways, especially in the New Testament. There is the righteous positioning, and then there's the righteous living. And you don't want to get those two mixed up. We are righteous by faith in positioning. But that doesn't mean that we are counted righteous in our living. So I am righteous in my being, and now I've got to be righteous in my living. And through Jesus Christ, now, although my righteous living is not perfect, I am now blessed and counted as if my righteous living is perfect. Because again, in religion, you don't get the righteous position unless you live righteously first. But in the gospel, it's completely opposite. He gives you the righteous positioning first, and out of that, you live righteously. Amen. Amen. So one person, one pastor said it this way. It was so beautiful. God treated Jesus like a sinner so he could treat sinners like Jesus. Now. Now, not when they perfect themselves, not when they get everything right. No, now. So, in other words, we get all the benefits. Hallelujah. We get all the benefits of being perfectly righteous because of our position, not our performance, right? Despite the fact we are still not living perfectly righteous. Now, I want to make it very clear. This does not mean Oh, okay, now we don't have to live righteously. Or, oh, because we're righteous by faith, now we don't have to try. That is not what it means. What it means is this. We are now able to live from righteousness, not for righteousness. It means we are trying to live righteously with all that we can, with all that we have. We are still trying to live righteously, but from a position of righteousness. It is an advantage. It is a blessing. Let me give you an example. Uh, let's say you are a new college student. You're a freshman. You're just starting college. It is the first day of school. You have not studied anything. You have not taken any tests. But on the very first day of school, in your very first year, you have never, you're fresh out of high school. You're just stepping onto the college campus. And the school comes to you and says, hey, uh, Bob, because everybody in my stories are Bob. Hey, Bob. We want to give you your college diploma now. And with your college diploma, we're going to give you a 4.0 GPA. Hallelujah. How many people would take that? Amen. I would take that. I mean, that's what we're doing. That's why we're going to college, right? And so they're giving you something as if you've already done it. That's the gospel. Giving you perfect righteous position as if you have already gone through the four years of college. 
here's your diploma, here's your 4.0 GPA. And if that sounds good to you, somebody said amen. amen. <laughs> and of course, the college student said amen. <laughs> now, uh, here is why uh, this is so important. This is why the concept of grace, the concept of God's love, the concept of living from righteousness rather than for righteousness is important because uh, very naturally and very fairly, somebody could say, um, why? Why is this important, Pastor Jimmy? Why is it so important that we emphasize our position that we live from righteousness than, rather than for righteousness? Because, I mean, in the end, isn't it the same? I mean, whether you're living for righteousness or from righteousness, we're still trying to live righteously. So what, what's, what's the difference? What's the difference? Um, well, if I use our example today, uh, again, the student gets a diploma, gets the 4.0 GPA. It's guaranteed. No matter what they do from here on out, it's guaranteed. Even if they don't go to school, they're going to get the grade. <clears throat> and just like with righteousness, you may ask, then why would you go to school? Why would you study? I mean, you've already got the diploma. You've already got the 4.0 GPA. I mean, why would you study? I mean, why would you put yourself through exams and quizzes and late nights and, and you know, all that? Why would you study now? And why would you study hard? Why? Why would anybody do that if you've already got the diploma and you've already got the 4.0? Why would somebody do it? Think about it. Why? I'll give you the answer. Just for the love of it now. Just for the love of it. Just because they want to. Do you see? That's the test. That's the test. Why are you doing it? Why are you going to school now? Why are you studying? And why would you study hard? What's the motivation? Was it just a diploma? Was it just the 4.0? Or did you really love that subject? Did you really love philosophy? Did you really have a passion in psychology or sociology or, or, or any other biology and chemistry? Did you have a passion for that field? Did you have a passion? I mean, I've met people who have a passion for the things they study. I remember I, I had a friend who stayed in school for like 10, 15 years. She kept going back to college because she loves studying. I'm like, why would you do that when you don't have to? And it's like, I just love it now. I just love it now. It's just for the love of it. So why, ladies and gentlemen, should we live righteously for God if we already have righteousness from God? Why would we try so hard? Why would we obey? Why would we try to be self-controlled? Why would we deny ourselves the things we want and the pleasures that we want and just living any way we want? Why? For the love of it. For the love of God. For the love of God, that is a pure heart. When God says, I'm looking at the heart, what he's saying is that this is what I desire. I desire your motive. I desire, I desire your why. I'm looking at why you're doing what you're doing. And so often, a lot of Christians are living selfishly without realizing it. Because the reason why you try to do good things is to be a good Christian. To be a good Christian and to get good things from God. And God removes all of that. He removes all of that. He says, no, wait, wait. I've given you the diploma already. I've given it to you. Oh, my goodness, if I had the time, I would tell you about the, about the prodigal son's older brother who lived like this. He already had the position. He already had the blessing. And he was still working in the field. Why? Because he wanted the blessing from the father. And he said, Dad, you give, you know, so much grace to my younger son, your, your, your younger son, my little brother. And he's, he's just a mess up. 
and you've never given me anything. And the father says, are you crazy? All that I have is already yours. Why have you been working so hard? Why have you been working in the field? Right? Was it for a party? Was it for the 4.0? Was it for the diploma? I give it to you now. That can't be your reason anymore. I don't want that to be your reason. You know why I want you to work hard? It's because you want to and because you love me. The greatest commandment in the Bible is what? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. I'm not obeying to get something from him. I'm not obeying for my own pride or for my own identity to build myself up to be this good Christian or look like a good Christian, to be blessed by God. Now, now, all of that is done. Hallelujah. He's already provided that. He's already given that. Like the father saying to the older brother, all that I have is already yours. And so now what God is looking for is love. Why should we live righteously if we are already righteous for the love of God? Not for any other self-focused motives. This is what God wants. So a pure heart is like this. It's like studying hard, not to get good grades, but for the love of it, for the passion of it. So the question is this. What's your identity based on? What's your identity based on? Is it based on being a good Christian or is it, being, or is it based on being a beloved son and daughter? Amen. Right? Is your identity based on God's love for you and your love for God? Or is it, is it, is it based on, you know, uh, trying to be a good Christian, trying to be a faithful Christian, which is good, which is good, which is good. But that should be the fruit, not the root. And the root is God's love. Our real identity, our position is this. I am positioned in God's love. Amen. I am not positioned in my good works. I'm not positioned in what people think of me, what the church thinks of me. People can judge me. People can look down on me for the way I live, for my attitude, my personality. But God loves me. God loves me as I am, but he loves me so much. He's changing me more and more and day by day, step by step, little by little. You can't judge me. God's grace covers me. Amen. I am positioned in God's love. And so here are a few things I want to share with you really quick. What you are positioned for because of your position. Number one, you are positioned for favor. You are positioned for favor. Yes, you are qualified now, not by good works, ladies and gentlemen. You are positioned by grace for favor. Psalm chapter 5, verse 12. We read it before. Let me read it again. Surely, Lord, surely, absolutely, completely, totally, you can bet on it. Surely, Lord, you do bless the righteous and you surround them with favor as with a shield. I declare in Jesus' name, favor, favor for you, favor at your job, favor at work, favor in your journey. <clears throat> favor in your calling. And don't you ever forget that closed doors is a favor too. It's a favor for God. When you don't get what you wanted, when, the, when you don't get the job, when you get fired from the job, that can be a form of God's favor as well because he's closing the wrong doors and bringing you to the right doors. You are in a position of favor. Number two, you are positioned for strength, for strength. Do you need strength? Today you are in a position to receive it from God. Psalm chapter 29 verse 11. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. One pastor said it this way, Christian, dear Christian. Now, we're not talking about somebody whose name is Christian. No, all Christians. Hallelujah. Christian, God doesn't need you to be strong for him. No, he wants to be your strength. Amen. 
So if you're weak in faith, if you're weak in passion, if you're weak in joy, if you're weak in love, if you're weak in delight in God, no condemnation. He wasn't expecting you to be strong for Him. He wants to be your strength in your weakness. His power is made perfect. Number three. <coughs> Number three, you are positioned for the Holy Spirit. Your position for the Holy Spirit. Uh, I encounter this a lot. Some people who struggle with the Holy Spirit, and we kind of hide behind uh, excuses. We don't think it's excuses, but in the end, it turns out to be excuses. You know, we use excuses like, well, you know, my personality, I'm not really into this whole spiritual stuff. You know, I'm more like analytical and things like that, or I'm not into this mystical stuff. And for some of people, that might be true. But I have often found that the real reason that people are kind of uh, have, uh, they, are, they have an aversion to the Holy Spirit is really because of their own self-consciousness. Their questions deep in their heart is this, like, am I holy enough, though? Am I holy enough for the Holy Spirit? Am I good enough to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What if he says no? What if I ask for the Holy Spirit? What if I ask for the gift of tongues and God doesn't give it to me because I don't pray enough, I don't know the Bible enough, I'm not pure enough, right? Am I good enough to have spiritual gifts? Am I good enough to encounter God's presence? And so there's this fear and there's this doubt because, again, we're not asking and we're not thinking from the right position. Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says, In the same way, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. So, brothers and sisters, <clears throat> do not believe the lie that you can only experience God's presence or you can only be filled with the Holy Spirit when you are being good or when you are good enough. No, the Holy Spirit helps us. We need the Holy Spirit most when we are weak. We need the Holy Spirit most when we are struggling with sin. We, must, we need the Holy Spirit in our darkest times, in our weakest times, in our most confused times. So those times do not disqualify us. They actually qualify us. Just like sickness would qualify you for the hospital, your weakness and your sinfulness qualifies you, qualifies you for the Holy Spirit. That's the whole reason that God sent His Holy Spirit, your position for the Holy Spirit. Amen? Number four, you're also positioned for power. Of course, we got to mention power as we've been talking about our powerful position, but we also receive power from our position. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. I've been meditating on this day in and day out. I told some of our people we got to use this to pray for, for one another, and I've been doing that, and it's just so, ah, there's so much goodness, so much good stuff to it. But let me read it for you. I pray, this is Paul praying, that out of his, speaking of Jesus, out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That doesn't mean he's not dwelling already. Actually, the language there is that he may dwell even more, more full, more fuller, more and more fuller. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. What's that? Position. Being rooted and established. You being in the right position, verse 18, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen. He wants you to be filled with the richness of His presence, of His life and His power. And Paul says, may you have this power, but first you've got to be in the right position. Do you know you're saved by grace? Do you know you're righteous by grace? Do you know you can receive these things 
because of your grace position, then here you go. Now you can receive this power, your position for power. Number five, lastly, your position for access. Access, right? Uh, one of the things I, I experienced before a few times that I really hate because you just feel like a loser sometimes is that if you're trying to go into a place and then somebody stops you, and they're like, sorry, VIPs only, right? It's like only VIP access. I feel so rejected, you know? Like I, one time I was like talking to my friend in the first class on a plane. It's like, hey, hey, hey. And then, you know, the stewardess comes up. I'm sorry, sir, you can't be here. <laughs> you got to go back into coach. I'm like, man, it's my friend. I just want to say something. I was, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, sorry, you do not have access to this. Well, here's good news. We have access to God. We have VIP access to God. You're not going to have no stewardess coming up to you, kicking you out of God's presence, <laughs> kicking you out of God's, God's love. No, we have full access to God. Amen? Amen. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. I have access to his throne, brothers and sisters. Access to his throne. Access to the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy, find grace to help us in our time of need. Amen. When it says receive mercy and grace in your time of need, you know what that means? We can come to God anytime, any place, and in any condition. If you're doing good, you don't need, you don't got no needs. If you're all strong and all mature, you don't know needs. No, this is for all of us. It's for the weak. It's for the struggling. It's for the sinful. We all have this access when you're doing good, when you're doing bad, when you have joy, when you're angry, when you're sad, when you have lack of faith, when you're full of faith, when you feel lost, when you feel confused. doesn't matter. At all times, all places, we have this incredible access to God. Amen. Oh, let me say it this way. An immature person, an immature Christian has just the same access as a mature person. A strong, a weak Christian has the same access as a strong Christian. Hallelujah. A, a, a Christian struggling with the sin, with a sin issue, has the same access as a person who is not struggling with that sin issue. Do you understand? We have all this access because of our position. I am righteous by faith through Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. So I'm living in that position. I'm I'm, I'm, I am fighting from that position. When I struggle, I struggle from that position. When I, when I, when I get lost, I'm, I'm, st I'm still in that position. Come on. That position is in Christ. Can we get the piano going? And so let me close here with our key verse, key scripture that we read earlier. Again, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He, 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 he. I love that. It's all about Jesus. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sakes. Verse 6, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Position, 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 position. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me. That's his position. I follow behind him. That's my position. Amen. And guess what? There's a third position. What's that third position? Goodness and love will follow me. Amen. That's where we get lost, is when we get the positions wrong. When you start chasing the stuff before you chase God, things break down because everything's in the wrong position. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek his face first. 
Not people, not things. Oh, my God. Mary, Mary, uh, Martha, Martha, sit at his feet. Put God first. Seek his face first. Put God in the right position. And put yourself in the right position. He's my shepherd. I'm a sheep. He's the potter. I'm the clay. He's the vine. I'm the branch. Come on. He's the father. I'm child. He's the savior. I'm saved. He's the one who changes me. I'm the one who gets changed. He's the one who gives. I'm the one who receives. Get in your right position. Because when you get in your right position, the Bible says, goodness and mercy, goodness and love will follow me. In other words, when you get in the right position, all the stuff you need will come to you. Amen. Hallelujah. This is the power, ladies and gentlemen. This is the power that will release the blessings, that when you get into the right position, the blessings will come to you. You don't have to chase it. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to work for it. Just get in your position before God, and it will come. It will come after you. It will chase everything after you. So you can't sit there and think, I'm not worthy. I'm not praying enough. I'm, I am so sinful. That's the wrong position. That's the wrong position. You know where position is? It's about your mind and your heart. Where's your mind? Where's your heart? Where's your faith? Oh, I've got to work harder to earn it. Then that's your position. You're still in the, you're still in the field. You're still a servant. You're still the older brother. But the position that the son, the younger son came, and he came to the father, that's the right position. And he just asked, and he just received. When you get into the right position, you are a son. You are a daughter. Hallelujah. You are righteous. You are favored. You're positioned for power. You're positioned for grace. You're positioned. You're positioned for strength. You're positioned for your, your, for, for, for your destiny, for your calling. And it may not seem like it, Joseph. I know. I know, you're in, the, you're in the prison. You've got a bad reputation. Everybody thinks poorly of you. I know it seems that outwardly you're in the wrong position, but inwardly you are in the right position. Amen. And that's why Joseph didn't have to chase the blessing. The blessing came to him because in his heart, he was always in the right position with God. And that's your position too. Amen. 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 Come on. Let's pray. Let's pray.